Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Ray Hartgen here, who is a writer and a cancer patient advocate. So let's get to know him and have a great conversation. Ray, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Kyle, uh, thank you so much uh, for having me on the Vibes. I appreciate it. And uh, it's uh, great to chat with you and your audience. Um, yeah, uh, as you said, I'm a, a musician and a writer. I live in the, the Bay Area. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm currently out uh, speaking to folks about a, a book that I've written called Me, Myself, and My Multiple Myeloma, uh, because I, I wanted to provide a, a, a resource for uh, cancer patients, uh, patient caregivers, uh, and their allies, right? And so uh, I was diagnosed with uh, multiple myeloma in March of 2019. Um, and uh, for, for those of you who aren't aware of multiple myeloma, it's a uh, relatively rare blood cancer, uh, not quite as rare as I would want it to be personally. I wouldn't mind having one less patient. Um, it's an incurable cancer, but it's a treatable cancer. And, you know, uh, being diagnosed uh, with cancer, you know, there's a, a lot of, man, I hate to use the word baggage, but I guess it is. There's a lot, there's a load that you, that I carried with me, at least uh, initially, you know, and, uh, it, you know, I, when I woke up in the morning, it, you know, seemed like cancer was the first thing I thought about. The last thing I thought about when I went to bed at night was usually cancer. And then I thought about cancer a lot in between the day too. And, uh, you know, over time, in a short period of time, it really weighed on me uh, mentally. I mean, I was exhausted physically because of the mental and emotional toll, uh, you know, a cancer diagnosis was taken on me, uh, had taken on me. And, you know, there's, a, I think, a tendency within, uh, you know, the cancer community. We talk a lot about it in group sessions, uh, you know, that cancer takes away. You know, what is that taken away from your life? And cancer does take some things away. It changes your life. There's a new normal. Uh, but for me, you know, I, uh, the message I want to come out there is that, that cancer is, that has gifted me uh, a, a lot. It's added a lot to my, to my life. Uh, and, uh, and that's, you know, one of the things I, I like to talk about. Uh, one of the impetus is for writing the book, you know, helping uh, cancer patients, you know, very specifically multiple myeloma patients, but any cancer patient, or for that matter, any patient that's facing a serious chronic health issue, uh, that, you know, you know, that there's, there's certainly negatives, uh, obviously, but there's also an awful lot of positives that I think can, uh, uh, that has made me at least, uh, more complete, uh, made, uh, what I do more rewarding, giving me a, you know, a greater sense of inner peace. So what all does the treatment involve? Uh, it's different for different folks. There's the multiple part of multiple myeloma, but, uh, you know, initially, you know, pretty much everybody goes through what's called induction therapy. Uh, and that's a couple of different uh, immunotherapy, chemotherapy medications, along with a battery of steroids and antivirals and things like that. And the idea is to try to help your body beat down the level, level of cancer in your body, uh, leading up to, uh, you know, most people get a stem cell transplant. And uh, the stem cell transplant sounds all high techy. It's like, wow, stem cells, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, what, what's that all about? It, it's a bit of a marketing uh, a gimmick, I, I think. Uh, what's stem cell? Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, some people getting stem cell therapy in a joint where, you know, the, the injection of stem cells to help stimulate, you know, you know, a, a growth of maybe new knee cartilage or something like that. In a stem cell transplant, uh, what, uh, what uh, mine was an autologous stem cell transplant. So they used my own stem cells. It was a massive chemotherapy dose just to shock my body. And to, it, it, first of all, it, it helps kill myeloma. And then it shocks 
your your bone marrow and your stem cells going, what is going on here? Let's get out into the blood system and see what's going on. And so the stem cells flood into the blood system, cruise around. Uh, and, you know, after that initial dose of chemotherapy, it's a lot of human uh, or like a, a lot of uh, growth um, factor um, injections for me. It was a neupogen. Um, until enough stem cells come uh, visible, available in your blood uh, to then get skimmed off in a process much like uh, dialysis. It's called apheresis. At that point in time, my stem cells were frozen uh, and it gave me a couple of weeks of rest and relaxation and let my body recover. Then it was uh, a couple of major doses of chemotherapy, things that weren't fun to go through at all. Uh, the, um, the aim there was to kill as much myeloma, uh, that was, uh, residing in my bone marrow as possible. Uh, and you know, the collateral damage was my bone marrow. Uh, so it, not only does it kill off myeloma, it kills off all your, your bone marrow. And of course, bone marrow helps you, uh, it makes red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. It has your entire immune system and the antibodies that you built up that memory, uh, in the bone marrow. So the bone marrow gets wiped through with a couple of massive chemotherapy doses, that's when they give you your stem cells back. So they come in, they find these brand new homes, these hollow bones with no bone marrow. They go, boys, let's get to work. Let's make bone marrow first. And then we can start making platelets, red blood cells, white blood cells. Uh, so that was the idea of, uh, of beating down uh, multi, uh, the myeloma cells to as few as possible. And then uh, the stem cells, you know, help you go back and, and get back onto uh, to maintenance treatment, which is these. Uh, much like the induction therapy, uh, a resumption of, uh, of uh, a pill and an injection, chemotherapy, immunotherapy. And how did you find out? I, uh, you know, one of the things I like to tell people, you know, uh, I, I, I had the opportunity and the pleasure uh, to, you know, participate in a lot of videos and a lot of interviews after my diagnosis. And, and people um, would, would see me uh, online and they would reach out to me, uh, to me through social channels. You know, they were newly diagnosed or what have you and wanted to, to hear more. And so that's the reason I, I wrote the book was, you know, how can I take these conversations, so one to one conversations that turn into one to many? How can I how can I help as many people as possible? And I don't want to be self-serving about it. You know, so I'm, I'm donating all the, the proceeds, the net writers proceeds to the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. Uh, and, and one of the messages I like to, to tell people is that you got to go see your doctor. Number one, go see your doctor. I was 54 years old. Uh, I was, uh, I, I'm a, a road cyclist and my performance metrics on the bicycle were every bit as good as they were for the previous, uh, uh, five years. Uh, but, uh, through a routine blood test, it was discovered that I had a low red blood cell count. I was anemic. Uh, and there's, you know, what's the reason for your anemia? So we went through a, a process of, you know, deeper and deeper uh, blood tests to try to find out what the, what my, uh, uh, the cause of my anemia was. Uh, and uh, it, it, you know, resulted eventually in a bone marrow biopsy uh, that showed that 90% of my bone marrow was cancerous. Uh, and I didn't feel a thing. Uh, I mean, the bone marrow biopsy, I certainly felt that, but uh, I, I, you know, looking back, maybe I was a little fatigued, uh, but geez, I was 54 years old, full-time job, uh, a wife and two kids in private universities. I kind of figured I, I had deserved, I, I'd earned the right to be fatigued, right, Kyle? Right. Uh, so, um, you know, I, uh, you know, a message is, is go see your doctor. Uh, you don't need to be necessarily feeling pain, discomfort, fatigue, and things like that. Uh, you know, cancer, in many cases, uh, a lot of diseases are, are silent, right? Uh, go see your doctor. There's, there's really no excuse not to get a full blood workup. A lot of things can be told from that. Uh, and the early starts, the better. Um, I, even though I had 90 percent of my bone marrow was cancerous uh my bones were intact 
uh, a lot of multiple myeloma patients discovered their multiple myeloma because they suffered the, these unexplainable bone fractures. Uh, a lot of them are people just getting up in the morning, taking a couple of steps and suffering compression fractures of the vertebrae. You know, the doctor's like, well, that's weird. That shouldn't happen. Let's dig in a little deeper. That's because the myeloma has gone from the bone marrow. We seeped into the bone, weakened the bone, and they suffer the fracture. Uh, you know, for me, even though it was 90% of my bone marrow was, was cancerous, I could still consider myself having caught it early. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's better to catch it earlier rather than later. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Kind of going through something like that, um, I had went and got one of my regular blood tests because I'm diabetic, and they had mentioned I was anemic, but I had had a colonoscopy a few years ago, and they found some cysts and that kind of thing. They didn't seem to be concerned at the time, and then I have problems with my spine, and they were doing the x-rays from my chest on down and they found spots on my lungs so i'm going back for more tests so fingers crossed me <laughs> hey yeah good luck uh uh good luck on that fingers crossed definitely kyle uh but uh you're definitely doing the right thing follow up with your doctors uh and uh and, and take care of yourself and invest in yourself you know a lot of people don't like to go to the doctor i don't like going to the doctor uh but it is an investment in yourself and what are you willing to invest in if you're not willing to invest an hour in yourself right yeah no kidding yeah. well as a supervisor you know my guys would get a little cut or something and i'd tell them hey i don't care how small the cut is go take care of it now <laughs> because i'd gotten a real small cut on my hand and you know macho guy i don't need to go get get it cleaned up and bandaged and all that stuff and went home that night and woke up in the middle of the night feverish my hand had swollen up about two times and went to the emergency room and they found fragments all up in my my hand which was causing an infection little bitty tiny cut go to the doctor or go get it treated something but Absolutely. Don't, don't care how small it is yeah, uh, you know, what's that old saying? Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of cure, cure. right? <laughs> exactly. Like, get it done early. Yeah. Well, and I notice you're a musician. What kind of music do you play? Yeah, I'm a, a musician. I'm a, a guitar player, a long-time guitar player. You know, I'm, a, I'm 59 years old now, getting close to 60. So, you know, uh, for me, you know, as a kid, you know, it was I was like first introduced to Elvis. I'm like, wow, Elvis is cool. I want to be Elvis. I'm like, man, I don't I don't know if I can be Elvis, but maybe I can be James Burton's guitar player, you know? And uh, so I, you know, picked up guitar and played that. And then, you know, the, the seven, late, uh, late seventies, eighties came around and that's when I was exposed to Eddie Van Halen. I'm like, Holy, Holy cow. That's my new guitar hero right there. Like a lot of people, you know? And so I'm a hair metal warrior from, uh, from way back when, but like I said, getting up there in age, ain't nothing. It's, I'm too old to be dragging around, you know, 
Marshall half stack and starting a gig at 10 o'clock at night and, you know, getting home at 2.30 in the morning or something like that. Uh, so about 10 years ago, uh, me and a, another of, of uh, the, the hair metal warriors from back in the day, uh, we started up a two-piece acoustic band. Uh, it's called the Chronic Padres. Uh, we are we call ourselves the uh, the Happy Hour House Band because uh, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be home in bed by ten o'clock as opposed to starting upset at ten o'clock. Uh, so you know, uh, being here in the Bay Area, uh, California, we specialize in breweries and wineries. Uh, we take uh, all those great songs that we liked to play twenty, thirty years ago and just strip them down to acoustic. So in a way, it turns out to be like a you know like a three hour you know MTV unplugged episode. Uh, you know, we have our, our own original music, but we, like a lot of people, we, you know, um, we uh, discover that when someone's sitting around on a, in a beer garden, you know, sipping on a couple of subs, suds, uh, they'd, they'd rather hear like a stripped down Bon Jovi song than a, a stripped down Chronic Padre song. <laughs> so we play, uh, we play a, a, a lot of covers. And uh, lately, you know, maybe the last five years ago, we've integrated a lot of country music into our our gigs uh, just because one the ladies like them uh, and two uh, they're they're you know relatively easy to learn uh, so uh, we can you know turn it around really quickly and you know let's not kid ourselves every every kid who picks up a guitar you know many times picked it up just so they can impress the ladies right so uh, so we got to pay attention to their desires. <laughs> well, I looked at your Instagram. You had some great pictures in there. I see you took a picture of like Sebastian Bach and uh, yeah. Like you know, I had a, I had a, uh, I had the uh, pleasure of working with Sony Electronics for uh, 14 years. I was a publicist, a uh, uh, public relations guy, and uh, so I, I got the opportunity to meet a lot of cool people, uh, and I got a lot of uh, opportunity to meet a lot of not so cool people either, right? You know, uh, particularly in the music scene, uh, there's, you know, if if you're not statuesque woman blonde, you know, <laughs> with a curvy figure, you might not be able to get their attention sometimes. Uh, but you know, Sebastian Bach, he's one of the good guys. Uh, one of the really good guys, story I like to tell, Dave Grohl. I think everybody has a what a cool guy Dave Grohl is type of story. But uh, I was uh, I was with Sony. We were sponsors at the Napa Valley Film Festival, and he was showing us uh, his film there. And uh, there's a big theater, maybe a thousand people in the theater. And at some point in time, these thousand people were going to come out through the lobby. And Dave was there doing an interview, but I wanted to meet him. I'd had, you know, many opportunities in the past at award shows and things like that, but I never wanted to meet him. I just want to say, dude, I, you know, I'm a fan. I appreciate your stuff. And uh, so, you know, the the director of the, the music uh, or the film festival, you know, came over to him and said, hey, you know, Dave, you know, you know, before you run off to the airport and avoid this, you know, massive crowd, you know, I want you to meet Ray. And he goes, I, I totally want to meet Ray, but first I want to meet this guy. And he turns over and there's a kid that was standing there with his father and he had a little poster. The kid was probably like six, seven years old. And Dave, with all this pressure that, you know, potentially he might get trapped around a thousand people, he knelt down on his knee and like looked him right in the eye, you know, got down to his level and just started talking to him. Uh, like, you know, one, you know, one musician to another because the kid I think was playing drums or something like that. And it was the coolest thing to see this guy just connect at the, you know, the base level with just this young kid who's now probably a Foo Fighters fan of forever. Uh, you know, the, the end of a long story is I got a chance to meet him, chat him up a little bit <laughs> right afterwards. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it was it's it's fun to meet, uh, you know, some there's that saying, you know, be careful of meeting your heroes because they might not be the people that you kind of put them out to be. But there are some heroes out there that are really cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, you, you mentioned one of Sebastian Bach. He's cool. Uh, and, uh, and and Dave, he, he's a lot of fun, too. Did you meet Alice Cooper? Because I saw you had a picture of him. 
I, uh, I, I briefly, I mean, I, I don't know if, uh, if Alice would uh, remember who I was, uh, but that was at an award show uh, and, uh, you know, said hello and he's kind and said hello back. Uh, same show with, uh, with Marilyn Manson. I remember, uh, you know, walking to the restroom backstage and you know, Marilyn's a big guy, by the way, towering over me. I'm six one. He was way taller and of course with platform shoes on and he's kind of like looking down at me. I'm looking back up at him and, Hey, Marilyn, how's it going? But uh, yeah, Alice is a cool guy. Have you met Alice? I haven't, but I would love to because he's one of my heroes from back in the day. Yeah, he, and he seems like a cool guy. I mean, if he show up, uh, you know, do a, a bit spot on the Wayne's World movie, you know, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> we're not worthy. Yeah, <laughs> is this cool, Alice? You know, and uh, you got to be, you got to be a cool guy if you're willing to go in Wayne's World, right? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get back to your writing. Uh, now. You, what else have you written? I uh, the, the first book I wrote uh, was a I was a co-author of a book called Immaculate: How the Steelers Saved Pittsburgh. You know, and I'm, I see your, your state of Texas uh, sign over there on the, uh, the uh, over your shoulder. Uh, I'm a Texan too, and let me tell you, the 12 year old Ray would be pretty disappointed that he wrote a book about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, I uh, born in Houston, and as a dutiful Texan at the time, born in 1964, Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, and the Dallas Cowboys, you know, very famously lost two Super Bowls to the Steelers. Uh, and, you know, having been born in Houston, my second favorite team was the Houston Oilers. And the Oilers just never could get through the Steelers to win the division title. And they lost two playoff games to the to the um, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then my mama's favorite team was my third favorite team. My mama, just like everybody else's mama, like Kenny Stabler of the Oakland Raiders. So the Raiders were her favorite team. So the Raiders were my third favorite team. And once you know, they lost three playoff games to the Steelers in the 70s. So, you know, growing up as a kid, the Steelers were gum on my shoes, right? You know, I, I would have been enjoying it, a lot of successful fandom. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had a, a friend of mine uh, here in town. He is a Yinzer. He's from Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, for 20 years, he's been tossing around this idea, this thesis in his mind that, you know, Pittsburgh had a, a century and a half of prosperity. You know, they produced some of the richest people in the world and, and everybody was middle class. Right. Uh, and it was built on, you know, uh, you know, uh, industry, steel. And, uh, you know, during the, around 1975 or so, so, they really experienced a lot of hardship for about 10 years, a deindustrialization transformation. But at the end of this, they came out kind of smelling like a rose. You know, Pittsburgh is all the time listed on these, you know, these lists of most livable cities, right? They're world renowned for uh, academics, uh, technology, robotics, um, medical research, uh, healthcare, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a great city. Yet, uh, you know, some of Pittsburgh's Rust Belt cousins like Detroit and uh, uh, Cleveland, Buffalo, you know, they've kind of struggled and continue to struggle with this deindustrialization transformation. So Tom's thesis all along was, you know, like it was the Steelers that, that helped save the city that, you know, when the city was, you know, facing its toughest time, they could look to a, a pretty improbable source. The Steelers have been horrible from 1933 to 1972. And all of a sudden they were good, but they were a team that was built in their image, you know, hardworking, blue collar, bring your lunch pail to work type of football team. Uh, and when they needed their heroes, they could look there to, to have their heroes. But Tom's not a writer. Tom's a uh, he's a biotech executive. And, you know, he would talk about this for decades, talk to his family, his friends, me for, you know, all the time that I'd known him. And, you know, one of the things that, that cancer taught me, uh, gifted me was, you know, soon upon my diagnosis, I um, I. 
I guess I articulate it in my head, the perils of taking things for granted, taking time for granted, taking people for granted, taking relationships for granted. I mean, I was like a lot of humans. I took all tomorrows for granted, all next weeks, next months, next year, sometimes next decade. Someday I'm going to dot, dot, dot. And, uh, you know, as a, as a musician who's always looking to sell a band t-shirt, I'm always on the lookout for some mottos to throw on the back of a shirt. It's like, that's a cool t-shirt. Let's get that t-shirt. Thank you very much. I can put food on my table. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I developed this motto or adopted this motto. If not now, when, you know, it's, uh, let's, you know, Tom, if not now, when, if we don't write this book, when are we going to do it? Let's, let's do it now. Uh, and let's get started. And if we should ever veer off of your vision with Immaculate, how the Steelers say Pittsburgh, we'll stop and get back on your vision. It turned out we never stopped. Uh, we published it and it's been a, a very well-received book. Uh, so, 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 so that's cool. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things I like to talk about is, you know, the genesis of that book, uh, the F not now when, and then the adoption using that, the adoption of a, another motto that's also on the back of a band t-shirt and that is punch today in the face. You know, we're all given this gift of today, right? You know, and let's use it up, man. Tomorrow's not promised for any of us. The rest of today is not promised for any of us. So what do I want to get accomplished today? What are the things that mean the most to me? Uh, you know, the, the things, I, uh, the deliverables I want to deliver, the people I want to meet. You know, like, I care about you, Kyle. I want, I want to reach out to Kyle. I don't want to think, think of Kyle and then go, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll connect with him tomorrow. I'll send him a text tomorrow, whatever. no. I'm thinking about you now. I want to send a text to you now uh, and use today up, right? You know, as the old saying goes, you know, ride it hard, put it up wet. And then, you know, laying in bed at night you can roll over. And you look at tomorrow and say, tomorrow I'm coming for you next. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, adopting those mottos, they look good in the back of t-shirts, uh, but it also uh, helps me get things done. And it, it's helped me focus on that stuff that means the most to me. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the minutia of stuff. You know, it's like, what what do I want to accomplish? What do I want my legacy to be? How do I want to help people? How, uh, who do I want to speak with today? And and who do I want to, to share with, to love and to, to support? And, uh, you know, you, you do those things for me. When I do those things that uh, mean the most to me, I, I uh, you know, I can, at the end of the day, you know, I feel a sense of accomplishment, uh, you know, well-being and that, that sense of inner peace. It's like, today was a good day. Let's make tomorrow an even better one. And the vibes, just, baby. The vibes, right? That's that's right. And you just like writing in general, then? Yeah, I am a I am a writer. You know, uh, the, writing the books is the, the new thing. Uh, you know, this. Uh, you know, they're both. Uh, anyone interested? Both books are available wherever books are sold. Uh, Immaculate: How the Steelers Save Pittsburgh, and me, myself, my multiple myeloma. But you know what? Uh, for years, you know, I've written to, you know, put my kids through school, uh, be it blog posts, you know, if, uh, yeah, you know, writing seems to come, <laughs> seems to come easy to me. I don't know if, it, if I'm good at it or not. I'll leave that to you all to decide. But uh, yeah, you know, writing about uh, sports, uh, I, I contributed a lot of articles on San Jose Sharks for Yahoo. Uh, back in the day, I've written a lot about uh, auto racing. Uh, in fact, working on a third book about the Indianapolis 500. Uh, so yeah, that's something something I enjoy doing. I saw a funny video the other day where I, this lady had put down the the New York Times bestseller list on her mm -hmm. desk, and then was talking about how everyone seems to be on the New York Times bestseller mm -hmm. list. So she, Threw the book on top of it. See, every book's on top of the New York. 
I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to use that. I'll put, put a credit on it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to announce that Immaculate Hollis Dealer Save Pittsburgh is now on the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> Literally on the list. So, And do you have a website? I do. It's my name, uh, Ray Harchin, uh, R-A-Y-H-A-R-T-J-E-N.com. Uh, uh, I like to, uh, you know, post up blogs there and, uh, and uh, you know, you can buy books and just find out a little bit more about me. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the various uh, social channels. I, you know, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but I've created a lot of social channels for each book as opposed to just using like my Instagram account uh, for everything. Uh, you know, there's an Instagram account for Immaculate Steelers. There's an Instagram account for my multiple myeloma. There's Facebook pages for both. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the, the cool things about writing books is establishing these communities, uh, whether they're readers or not. But, you know, it's, you know, are you interested in the topic? And let, let's talk about that and, you know, build a community uh, up around that. So that's, that, that's fun. You know? Ray, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been wonderful. I appreciate the opportunity, man. I love what you're doing, and uh, I love you know the focusing on the vibes and uh, and the good vibes. You know, there's so many, maybe so many shows out there that that you know the nickname could be the the, the bad vibes network and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, you know, thank you so much for one the opportunity to to hang out with you and your, and your crew here, uh, and then you know, you know, thank you so much for doing what you do and keep keep doing it, man. I hope our hope our paths cross uh, many times down the road. Well, thank you so much. I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to, me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.